What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to analyze Lyft and whether the company will be able to survive against Uber. Going to dive into the financials, um, see how things have been trending since the IPO, and give a couple business ideas of how they could expand profitability and eventually compete. So if we go into hypercharts here, we can see that Lyft um, IPO'd at around $70 per share almost a year ago at this point. And the stock price has been kind of going, basically just sliding straight down. Um, now as I'm recording this at about 42.55 a share, worth about $13 billion. Um, but so Lyft already underwhelming in the price they were IPOing. And then since the IPO, the performance totally been lackluster, um, flying about 37%. Um, as I'm recording this. And I think a lot of this has to do with A, a change in sentiment from going to private to public markets, um, as well as just increasing pressure and, and lack of profitability in this ride sharing space. So I think the first thing going on here is we had this crazy unicorn bubble, um, or, or you know, all these unicorn billion dollar startups coming out of Silicon Valley. They were spending money like crazy, but growing like crazy. Nobody cared about the profitability. As these companies IPO'd, we had the whole WeWork moment, um, Uber and Lyft, and some of these bigger unicorns, you know, the, the public market investors looked at these companies they're like how much money are you losing like why are we paying these crazy valuations that sort of rubber meets the road moment has been a sort of wake-up call for many companies including uber and lyft and i want to in this video particularly focus on lyft because my biggest question is can they survive uber has way more capital um is expanding into other businesses um i think has better economies of scale as has had a first mover advantage um has global reach um, while lyft is going in the number two against uber they're focusing on the ride sharing market in north america it appears as a pricing war going on. Um, they originally just reported Q4 2019 financials. So let's take a lot dive into those. This is their presentation. Then we're going to go back to hypercharts and see what the real data looks like because obviously it's telling a different story. This is what they put out. So they're obviously trying to show the good side. So 52% growth um, in Q4, uh, contribution mar margin, EBITDA margin going up. Those are numbers that they kind of make up. Um, but as you can see, revenue looking strong, 52% growth, rapidly growing company. That growth is coming from a mix of both active riders, um, an increase in amount of people using the service and revenue providers, so about equal amounts um, going up. So we have more people using the service, spending more on the service. That's a good sign. Um, contribution margin here. This is where the accounting games, I think Lyft and Uber are funny examples of like why I don't pay too much attention to company specific accounting because they'll always try and show like, oh, well, this margin that we've uh, is a metric that we've created for ourselves shows that we're doing way better. And it's like, of course it does. But they're trying to say here, the profitability per ride is going up with this metric called contribution margin going from 46% to 54%. Non-GAAP operating expenses, the way they're looking at expenses, um, everything is coming down as a percentage of the model, except for R&D here, 14% up from 13.8. As you can see, as a percentage of revenue, um, all of their expenses going down, actually G&A going up slightly too, but overall looking at a big improvement, 16 percentage points um, from Q4 to Q4 in, in the past year. EBITDA margins, another profitability metric that they make up, 25% improvement they claim up to from Q4 2019, uh, just to negative 12.9% margins versus negative 30 37.5% margins. Um, then for the full year, lifted 3.6 billion in revenue, about $13 billion market cap. So we're looking about three or four times sales um, for the company. So that's based on the 2019 financials. Um, revenue growth 68% for the full year. Um, this is their quarterly revenue. Of course, looks beautiful. Constantly putting up those record numbers, um, improving operating leverage, contribution margin, sort of their version of gross profit, um, adjusted EBITDA margin. They show everything going in the right direction. Um, but then here's their outlook, which this to me is the, the part where the red flags start coming in. 
36 to 37% year-over-year growth for Q1. They grew about 54% in Q4, huge slowdown sequentially, 68% growth in 2019 overall, but they're saying first quarter is going to be just 36 to 37% growth for fiscal 20, the full year overall, 27 to 29% growth. So Lyft's growth, revenue growth rate here falling off of a cliff, and they're also, also saying that um, adjusted EBITDA is going to be worse, although they had negative 13% adjusted EBITDA margins in 2019 or Q4. Looks like they're only projecting about, you know, 11%. Um, 11 to 12% at the midpoint of adjusted EBITDA margin. So slight improvement in profitability, huge deceleration in growth is what the guidance is from Lyft. Now let's take a look into nerding out a little bit but into these cash flow statements because I think this is really important. Um, as you can see, um, I just wanna go, actually let's start here in the assets uh, line. You can see that Lyft cash and equivalents, they've had a huge jump in cash when they IPO'd in Q2. Um, I'm looking at these two lines to show what the actual cash balance is. Uh, cash and cash equivalents and short-term investments, usually like really short-term investments would be government-backed treasuries, um, which are basically cash. So cash for Lyft right now, 2.5 billion plus 2.5 billion, about 2.8, 2.9 billion in cash. So Lyft has a huge chunk of cash um, on their balance sheet to, to be able to fund growth, to be able to keep investing, to be able to buy companies. I don't know how long that'll last, but they do have a pretty decent size thing of cash, which makes this all the more interesting, frankly. And then if you go to their cash flow statement, I thought this is pretty interesting. The actual net cash provided by operating activities wasn't that bad. And they actually in two quarters made money from their operating activities, lost about 46 million here in Q4, way better than the 133 million loss um, in free cash flow. But why is there, they're losing so much money on the net income line, but, um, that their cash flow is not that bad. It's because they're adding back this line right here is the bulk of it, and that is stock-based depreciation. And so, um, 204 million of uh, basically stock that they pay to employees in Q4, they're not counting. You know, that's not a cash expense. That's just diluting shareholders. So you are paying for it. But in terms of a cash burning situation, when I looked at these numbers, Lyft's cash burn is actually not that bad. I mean, we're talking about a couple hundred million per quarter here uh, total for a company that's doing like you know, 2.6, 2.7, 2.8 billion in cash. So it would take them years to burn through all of this cash at the current rate. Now let's go to hypercharts so I can show you sort of a different version of what's going on under the hood and what I'm looking at for Lyft and why I'm a little bit less excited than their investor presentation. So this is um, hypercharts. You can go to hypercharts.co slash Lyft to follow along. Um, here's their active riders number, one of their uh, key metrics. As you can see though, even this number starting to show the slow in the growth story, you can just see the slope of that curve um, flattening out pretty clearly. clearly this was up 23% year over year. Revenue and operating income, this is where it gets super important. Now it isn't, uh, this this spike in Q1 2019, uh, when companies IPO, they have to basically t uh, record all these one-time stock-based compensation expenses. So it throws the financials a little out of whack for that quarter. So it wasn't like Lyft just had a really crappy quarter. All of a sudden it was some accounting stuff going on there. Um, that's why this number looks bad. But even after that number gets out of whack, we can see that Lyft's losses are huge. $382 million loss versus $270 million loss. So in the year, they grew their company, but their loss also grew by 110 million here. So that is, is pretty worrisome. Um, gross profit, this was kind of a bright uh, side though, as you can see, um, took a big hit right after the IPO, but it's been climbing up nicely to over 500 million gross profit. Gross margins hit above 50%. We're gonna dive into this more in a second. Um, here's revenue. Um, Lyft's revenue has been has been doing very strong, although the growth rate's been going down over a billion in revenue. So now you know you're only looking at a 13 billion dollar company doing four billion in revenue. Um, so it's a uh, if you take the annualized Q4 rates. So the price sales ratio for Lyft pretty uh, not that crazy at all, and has uh, compressed dramatically since their IPO has uh, gone and their valuations come down, while the growth has continued. Um, continuing down this uh, chart, going to margins. 
Um, I think this is where, so yes, I said their loss got bigger, but from an operating margin perspective, they had negative 40% in Q4 to negative 37.5%. So a slight improvement in operating margin on a percentage basis. I don't know if we're gonna actually give them that, any credit for that. But anyway, gross margin, this is a bright spot. Um, they reported gross margin of about 50.5% here up from 45% in Q4. So this gross margin number needs to continue trending. This is the brightest sign in Lyft's financials. But there is something going on under the hood here that makes me a little bit suspicious. Lyft, especially in New York, just talking to a bunch of my friends and using Lyft myself, gives a ton of discounts to different people, incentives, partnering with credit card companies uh, for this Lyft membership program, giving me, you know, oh, 10% off in your next five rides. And I think a lot of these discounts are actually being booked in the sales and marketing line as sales and marketing going under the gross cost uh, uh, cost of goods sold line. So they're not affecting gross margin. They're just affecting the overall margin. That's why it looks like gross margin's going up. They're able to keep the growth going. And then they're just plowing all these incentives in the sales and marketing line. So I don't know if that's actually happening, but I do think and reading it on their SEC filings, there is some kind of interesting accounting games going on there where I'm not actually convinced their gross margin is truly improving. And so that is, I don't know, that's a whole different situation there. The last thing I wanted to hone in here on was the revenue growth rate. This to me is summing up the entire Lyft story. So um, their revenue growth rate, when they IPO'd, we're talking about 100%, you know, over 100% growth in 2018, Q4 2018, 94% growth, Q4 20 this year, um, Q4 2019, 52% growth. And remember their guidance for 27 to 29% growth next year. So Lyft has all of a sudden in like a year and a half has gone from growing 100% to growing like mid 30% down towards mid 20%, literally just like screeching to a halt of the growth rate of Lyft. And this comes at a time when A, their overall business, when you include this stock compensation, is not making money. Um, there, it looks like they're gonna have continued more and more pressure, pricing pressure from Uber. And so, I don't know, I kinda wanted to make this video to open it up to you guys on what do you think is going on? Because from a financial perspective, um, I think we're gonna have a basically pricing war for Uber and Lyft for a long time. Uber has a much bigger war chest and could literally just suffocate Lyft out of this market. And I'm kind of worried, I don't know if that would be anti-competitive or, or what, but I actually think that to me is the most likely outcome. Maybe Lyft gets acquired by another company like Google. Actually, that would be a way out, a way for them to turbocharge Waymo, start collecting more data, start really getting traction on their sort of self-driving network. Um, and this could be a cheap way to do it instead of buying Uber would be to buy Lyft. So I feel like they could be an uh, acquisition candidate, maybe Amazon, um, but I don't know, that's kind of a cop-out to me. You know, Will the business actually be profitable? I don't know, and it's in this weird catch-22 of Lyft has so much cash and it would take them so much to burn through it for now that unless like the pricing war gets way worse, um, they're just gonna stick around for a while. So the company is trying a bunch of stuff. They bought a bunch of scooter companies and bike companies, um, and it seems like that has been seen mixed results in their personal mobility. It's not adding to the top line. It's not rolling out as fast as they would like, but I do think there is potential growth avenue for Lyft to not just be a way to, for you to get a car, but for you to get Away, get around cities in general with scooters and bikes. But once again, Uber is competing so hard on that. And Uber has this advantage of Uber Eats, um, you know, maybe Uber delivery in the future of packages where they're leveraging this network to bring down ride sharing costs. Lyft doesn't have that same thing. They also just bought a company called Halo Cars, which is like basically an advertising startup for ride sharing companies that lets uh, drivers and these ride sharing companies like Lyft put up ad space in their cars. It sounds really simple, basically what taxis have always been doing, but this could be another layer of monetization for Lyft. And I do think it's interesting when you start, start thinking about like they have so much revenue, these margins are so thin in this business, if they can just get a couple dollars worth of advertising from each ride, that could have huge implications to the overall profitability. So I do kind of like this move by Lyft, but then it's like, do we really wanna be bombarded with ads every time we're in a ride sharing car? I don't, but that may be the future we're heading towards, at least for Lyft.
The last thing I wanted to bring up for Lyft that is, to me, their only like light at the end of the tunnel and why I get pumped about this company is their vision. Um, they really want to become this new sort of transportation company, make it way easier to get around cities with a focus on sustainability, being green. They were the first company to really push into this green mode. There was a bunch of rumors or it seemed like blog posts about them making cities more livable with electric vehicles. They were going to launch this green mode so you could actually request electric cars on Lyft. Um, I think that is worth a premium and that's a service that if they can make work and sort of be known as the green electric vehicle ride sharing company has huge potential as a brand, the anti-Uber. Um, I just think that's the way the pendulum swinging and I love what Lyft is doing there but then on the flip side it's like Tesla's the only company that can build enough electric cars to make this remotely feasible they would need to just buy every single car that Tesla's building which I actually even made a whole moonshot Monday about that theory but this analysis of Lyft makes you realize who has the value in the future of the transportation industry supply chain where Tesla's the only company building these increasingly autonomous cheap electric cars that can get around for 300 miles and charge quickly and everybody is desperate for those that's a solution that Lyft is you know desperate for um, that's the solution that Uber's desperate for but Tesla's already selling every car they can make and so I think Lyft is in this weird catch-22 here of not making money treading water growth rate slowing I have no stake um, in Lyft at all, but I do kind of, I am kind of a fan of the company. I think their corporate culture, their vision, they just seem like kind of like the good guy and the underdog. I don't know if that's just what their branding wants me to think, but um, I am kind of rooting for them on that level. But anyway, let me know what you think in the comments below. This is HyperChange. Um, I'll see you guys next time. Huge shout out to our Patreon supporters and producers fun on the channel. Peace.